everyone, welcome to week two of analyzing our 2023 Franchise Legends Power Rankings. I'm back again with Yankees Dan. Say hi, Yankees Dan. Hey, how's it going? Hell yeah. So, to get started, our top team of week two was none other than the Miami Marlins. Um, Dan, the Miami Marlins in my fan or in my uh fan tracks projections for this year they uh they scored the top spot at least as far as i kept track and they really opened up to a kind of a middling week one they scored they did score 300 points but lots of teams scored 300 points because it was an extended week um Mm -hmm. but this time around they led the league. They scored even more points than they did in the ten in the ten day week with three hundred and sixty one. Uh, and as I pull up their roster and we take a look at it, uh, yeah, what what really um, what do you think really went right here for the Miami Marlins? Is let me pull up their uh, their week two scores as well. All right. Yeah. Here we so. Go. Um... I think I think I mentioned kind of on the last podcast was when we're looking at the the longer like first week, um, the pitching matters a little bit more I think there because everyone in your rotation is going to get two starts, so you end up if you have some you know questionable spots in the in the pitching which um, I think that he does have, um, you can end up just getting your week just torched by two or three um, you know starters which is really bad starts. Um, I think we saw that in the first week, which is why the score is pretty low. And this last week, obviously, the the lineup kind of just went, um, you know, went insane this last week. Um, but you also don't have like Patrick Corbin um, pulling your team down because I believe Corbin was on um, his bench for the the second uh, period. No, he actually he played Corbin, and Corbin got oh, nineteen points. Yeah, because he he had a win and a quality start, no losses either, despite having a five something era okay um i think okay well i guess that's the example though is you know the first week though when he uh when he had corbin in uh in the first week he was minus 10 and a half points the second week he's 18 points so that's like a that's a that's a 30 point swing basically so it can make a big difference um when you get you know one start uh you know what you know a good start out of your starter versus um you know a a minus 11 or minus 10 in in the first week I mean, there's a couple other guys that I looked at. Um, I know who had a, had some bad weeks uh, in the first week too. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. A couple of his starters, though, I think weren't looking that good in the first week, but had really good starts this last week. Yeah, Chris Chris Bassett really rebounded and and didn't even like really do anything too crazy. He had a quality start, but he got the loss. Um, it was a six inning, seven K performance, scored uh, 14 points. Pretty yeah, normal. but that's what I'm talking about. The minus the minus twenty four and a half points in the first week though is just yeah. like yeah. massive. And so like you when you when you get like a you know thirty plus point swing because you're you know taking out that minus twenty five, um, you know, you can end up with a much better week. And I think that, that kind of showed here. I think I do also... think the week Oh go, oh, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I would say I think the weak part here is he's got some really good starters. Um obviously he's got Strider, who is probably the number one starting pitcher i would say um when you're considering the contract um and he just strikes out like you know at least nine people a game i guess like i think it's like k per nine is like 13 right now if i remember right 
Um, he's got some good starters, um, or like maybe one or two, like good on the top end, but then it gets pretty rough after that. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of swings um, where, you know, the Marlins have like insanely high scoring weeks when their starters just happen to all hit at the same time. And then you're going to have some real dud weeks when you have like three starters with, you know, large negatives um, for the games and their lineup can't necessarily make up for it. So I think that's going to be, you know, you're going to get a lot of swings, I think, because of that. I, I agree. I think so. He's got 20 plus point starts from Hunter Brown and Trevor Rogers neither of whom I think you can really at this point safely pencil in for uh, a quality start or even like just positive points because uh, for various reasons they're volatile. Um, But Pablo Lopez, uh, beneficiary of the new extension as of today, uh, has looked incredible. The new slider is, is really good. We may have even gone over him in the first week, but... Uh, I think all said and done, the pitching collectively is too good to hold the team back. Um, especially once Sean Murphy started playing and then scored 42 points. Uh, the offense is, is going to be just fine, I think. The other thing to look at, just hiding out on the IR, is uh, Justin Verlander, who I think is supposed to be back um, relatively soon. I think it says he he threw a bullpen session on the 17th, which was today, um, when we're recording this. So he's probably going to be back in a couple weeks. So um, the pitching staff is just going to get better um, as uh, this team gets healthy. He's Um, also got uh, Vaughn Grissom, now that Arcia's out for some extended period of time, uh, Grissom is going to play every day he's also got Seiya Suzuki on the bench too who I think was hurt and is now back as well so yeah things are kind of just starting to come together and the Marlins are not likely to be uh as middling as they were in week one going forward no yeah I think they definitely have some really big weeks when when you know their bottom end starters all hit I just think it's you know you're gonna end up with a couple weeks like that first week when you're your bottom end starters that he's got just don't have good outings. Um, particularly like uh, the Johnny Brito, the Yankees um, pitcher who gave up like yeah I don't remember what it was ten runs or seven, I think I don't know what he had I think they gave up uh, was it nine or eleven runs in the first inning and they came out ahead seven earned. Well, um, I'll tell you he had a negative twenty two point five point start. Uh, so yeah. that is. Um... It's impressive to get into the negative tens. It's really impressive to get into the negative twenties. So yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we'll move on to the next team. Uh, ended a little bit on a sour note there for Johnny Brito for the Marlins, but the Marlins, I promise, they're they're good going forward. Um, Absolutely. The next team I want to kind of take a look at are a couple of teams. Uh, now they were near the top week one, but now they're kind of in the middle and they had the largest drop, um, in the power rankings just by rank. And those are two teams in the national league. The first one we'll go over is the Brewers and we'll also go over the Padres later on. Um, both of these teams scored just about 350 points week one. Uh, again, it's a 10 day week, but 350, uh, was still quite in the red. Uh, just on our color scale here, uh, I think it was both top 10 points. Uh, and then this week, they, they failed to breach 200. And if, if you're failing to get 200 points in a week, you're 
you're uh, hoping to get at least one win, but more often than not, failing to score 200 is going to give you a big fat zero in the win column. Uh, so the first team we'll go over is the Brewers. Uh, and the Brewers, week one, let me see if I can find them. There they are. Yeah, week one, I think they had just some better pitching luck overall because they got some pretty serious duds and just um, really zeros uh, from a few players. Kyle Muller had a blow-up blow start. Austin Gomber had a negative 10-point start. Alec Manoa, his ace, had a negative 10-point start. Um, so this is you know, how we were just talking about. The Marlins had a middling week one just based off some poor pitching performances well the brewers uh scored less than 50 points overall with their pitching um and his opponent the uh the buckos garrett cole scored 63 points alone so their team scored like two-thirds of what garrett cole did so just collectively in the rotation dan you have any thoughts about this uh, yeah, I think it's like similar comments to the one I made on uh, the Marlins actually, which this is. Um, I mean, I think the Marlins are a little bit better set up with you know better kind of you know top end starters, but here you see like there's a couple guys that you know are pretty questionable. I would say here um, as far as like pitching goes, that had some. I mean, Manoa is obviously an ace, but you know had a bad week. Um, Gomber, I think, is kind of questionable in in Colorado and had a pretty awful week. Um, and then Kyle Muller, um, yeah, with a <clears throat> um, with a bad start, and he's had a couple bad starts. Um, I think at this point, his first one or two, I think we're okay. And actually, I think he's pitching today, um, and gave up like six or seven runs. Yeah. Um, so you know, the, it's really tough because like those negative, um, like the the negative, you know, starts here is really what did him in. Um, you know, if you just erase those negatives, he's at like two hundred and. What is it, about 230 points, I think. If you just take away the negatives, make them zeros. Um, it's like 220, 230, and it's like an okay week. Um, just like the negatives really kill you with the really bad starts. Yeah. His offense did all right. Um, 142 is a good point total. Um, had decent uh, just numbers piled up. However, they did only hit 218 on the week, so... Uh, with a pitching performance this pretty poor, um, if you're not having a stellar week offensively, it's going to be pretty hard to pull it back together. Uh, what what kind of do you expect them then to uh, maybe not as good week one, but not as bad week two? Do you think they're going to be in the middle, or do you think there is uh, they're going to trend to be pretty much exactly what they were week one and and be a top ten team going forward? Um, I don't know if they're gonna be a top ten team. Um, if you look at like their even their offense, um, like over I think it's over half their points came from Ryan Mountcastle and uh, Alex Bregman. Um, I think it's a good chance Bregman and the other Astros that he's got um, continue to like perform at that level. Mountcastle, I don't know. He's I feel like just kind of come out of nowhere um, and is just like absolutely crushing um, this year. So we'll just see if he continues that pace. Um, I mean, he's like. 60 or 70 percent more like uh points per game than he has been the last uh the last two years yeah so i'd be surprised if he continues at that pace i'd expect him much more likely to come back down to earth 
Yeah. I mean, you look at it, I think their outfield is pretty uh, questionable, I would say, um, outside of uh, Alvarez. Um, and the utility spots, I'm not really sure of either. Jake um, Lamb and Dominic Smith, nothing really to write home about. I was just taking a look at their bench. They don't really have anyone that's, at, at least offensively, like Luis Urias um, is still going to be out for some time, I believe. He had the hamstring injury in the spring, and that's keeping him out, looks like, until at least June. Um, but then besides that, there's Alan Trejo and Jacob Stallings. Uh, his catcher situation is already pretty poor with Francisco Mejia, not really uh, you know, using the opportunity the Rays are giving him. Uh, to play at least halftime with Christian Bethencourt. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, like you were talking about, I think he's just streaky more than anything. You see guys with like his kind of power and that never take a walk just have a tendency to explode one week and then disappear the next. And really, the depth here is, is pretty lackluster. At best, they're going to be replacing anyone that gets hurt with relievers or, um, or, or just random bench fodder. So, this team is already a little banged up. Uh, they're already having some inconsistency issues. Uh, I do agree, maybe not a top ten team, um, but there are some holes that probably could be pretty easily patched. Uh, if you're willing to give up a few prospects and uh, believe in the rest of the squad. That said, I'm, I'm really... Alec Manoa has had some, uh, some concerning metrics so far. His velo's down. Uh, he's been getting shelled, obviously. Uh, it's just tough. It's just tough seeing, yeah. seeing the way forward for this team to get to the playoffs because it's going to be some pretty serious buying i think across the board yeah i think like right now i would say they're like probably just like kind of like the you know first four out if you think of them like a from like march madness it's like they're right outside the playoffs um right now i would say where they're like right kind of like just a a couple more pieces could potentially put them into the um into the playoffs but i think it's going to be um pretty tough i think you're going to definitely need some help yeah. Um, particularly maybe like another pitcher or so and um maybe like one or two more bats i think it's just tough um i think their are spots just like they just need to upgrade kind of across the boards their utility spots get better um i think it's kind of hard to hard to see to get there yeah all right so i think we've kind of gone over the milwaukee brewers let's take a step over to the west coast and take a look at the San Diego Padres. They went from scoring 347 week one, uh, which was good for, let me check. That was good for, looks like 12th place uh, week one. And then week two, they scored 174, which led to them getting to mm, 23rd. So they went from top top 12 team all the way down to the red and the the bottom seven and as we take a look and see what went wrong really not the story that uh the brewers had their pitching was honestly quite good given 
um, that's just a few top tier starters and then a lot of high quality relievers. Um, it's just the hitting disappeared. Uh, Duvall got hurt. Kyle Farmer got hurt. Um, both were pretty early in the week, if I recall correctly. I think Adam Duvall yep. literally broke his wrist pretty much what it had to be. I think it was, I think it was literally inning one of game one of the week. Yeah. Like it was like the most unluckiest timing on that. Yeah. I, um, I think this was really kind of a fluky like week, um, for the Padres. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to end up being at the, at the top. Um, I think the injuries, um, at least a couple of them look like they're going to be relatively long-term. Um, at least for like a couple of months. I think the broken wrist for Duval, I think is keeping them out. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess it's at least till June. Yeah. Um, at least probably June, maybe to the All-Star break. Um, I don't know. I don't think they've had a timeline yet. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's going to be tough just because of the injuries that have happened. Um, the other thing that uh, came up is, I don't remember when Newpar came back, because Newpar was hurt. He was hurt all um, week. He came back Saturday. But there were there was rumors prior, like on Sunday night, that he could, like... He, he might miss the Rockies trip that was Monday through Wednesday and then get back yep. that Thursday, and then he didn't come back for another two days. So was, he still scored 15 points, which is an average yeah. week because he – That's because he walked six times at nine at-bats. Yeah, and had a home run. <laughs> or nine point appearances. He yeah, walked six and times and had a home run and even got a steal. And, you know, new bar rules. But, yeah, um, but I mean – that's the thing, though, is, like, he missed half the week. So I think this is a really fluky week looking at it because you end up with, like, I think it was uh, three or four positions here where you have people that are missing, like, more than half the week that I just don't think is going to normally happen. Yeah. Um, which I think explains really the, the really low score here. Yeah, I'm willing to write this off as a fluke. Um, they are pretty banged up. They have Matt, Matt Tice in their catcher spot who didn't hardly play at all. Because they have Max Stassi and Manny Pena, two uh, pretty full-time catchers. Stassi maybe not anymore, and especially not Tice, since Ohapi's kind of exploding out for uh, for the Angels. Um, O'Neal Cruz got hurt. Uh, Zach Davies, Carlos Rodon, Robert Suarez, Daniel Hudson, Jonathan Loisica, Colin McHugh. I mean, this team is, is beat up pretty bad. Um and they're still fielding a fairly competitive lineup, so this is—I would say this is kind of, you know, worst case scenario nearly for the Padres, and they're still competitive. I think if they yeah. can, what, what do you think? If they can weather the storm for maybe a month or two, uh, maybe just float around 500, and then get get healthier, they can make a run. That's kind of my impression. Yeah, I I don't I I I don't really want to go too deep into it. Look like what their schedule looks like, but like they could certainly still win uh, matchups with like the team that they're fielding, even with all these injuries. Um, I think that there's a couple guys that are um, like Newbar's back now, and I think like Newbar's like a- actually a stud. I think so. Like he's yeah. gonna be um, good in the lineup. I think that it'll help. Just not having like the fluky week where you just kind of got like screwed by the injuries happening at the start of your, start of your week. Like now he's at least going to be able to put people in. They're going to get points, um, even if he does have people that are hurt. Um, I think it's it is kind of like just weather the storm, and hopefully he's got some softer matchups over the next couple weeks um, that he's you know able to win. But um, 
if his team gets healthy, like his team is stacked. I mean, his team is like really stacked. Well, um, I, uh, I do have more bad news because um, Jacob Debrom Degrom got uh, hurt today. So. Oh, did he? I, I didn't yeah, see that. He uh, he left in the fourth inning, I think, because uh, yeah, he was removed from start with wrist soreness, and he hopes to make his next start. And I've heard that before. Yeah, I, that seems like I, I don't know. That seems like not a huge deal. It, it, I, don't, it, I don't really hear like wrist soreness as something that's going to be like a, a long lingering thing for a pitcher. Yeah, um, it's just funny that <laughs> he, he, yeah, Padres just can't catch a break right now. Yeah, well, and neither can Degrom. I mean, he's just yeah. I feel like it's every year it's something. Um, it was really unfortunate, but um, you know, hopefully he's able to make his next start. The uh, kind of good thing is that he started on Monday for him, so even if they do push a start, give him an extra day, he still is within this week. Um, if he throws on Sunday rather than throwing on Saturday, um, so um, that, that's you know, the other good thing for this week. And also, I just don't think like the wrist injury is necessarily going to be a, a really long term thing. Maybe they even if they put him on the ten day DL, he misses like what one start and then comes back. Um, it's not a it's not a huge loss. Yeah, I agree and. You know, as, assuming that it is a short stint, uh, a short injury stint for DeGrom. All right, and now heading down to another team that had a strong week one and then has kind of bottomed out in week two, the Minnesota Twins. Um, looking at the Minnesota Twins, I think I was, I think we even went over them in week one, and we we're uh, a bit skeptical maybe a little surprised even at their performance, but week two is not the case. Um, they had some blow up starts. Uh, they've had, uh, just looking at this, they had one of their pitchers get optioned. Um, they have multiple zeros and even negatives in the lineup, which it's really impressive to have a negative as a hitter. Um, if you're playing even somewhat full time, because that just means you really didn't do anything. Um, yeah, and, and I think there's not really too much to say here. I think the Twins going in uh, have acknowledged that this team is not going to compete. They had already sold some pretty huge pieces, and uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that um, they're – Placement in the bottom five this week is closer to their uh, true talent level for this year. But do you have any thoughts on their roster? Do you think there is a way forward for them to, if they got a couple of pieces, to compete as a surprise underdog contender? Or do you think uh, this is just a sign of things to come? Um, so I'm trying to remember because I thought he traded for Trout. And I don't remember what the trade was to get Trout. Uh, or did he draft Trout? I believe um, I believe he bought Trout. Okay, he did. Okay, so yeah, I think the one plus th- uh, plus side for this is if it's like a tanking year, he has some really good assets to sell, like Goldschmidt and Trout on um, fresh deals. Um, like those are like two like MVP caliber players um, that you can certainly get um, at least a lot of draft dollars for, um, uh, which is like the good thing. I, I don't know how much they're going to be able to compete just looking at it. Um, I think the pitching looks um, pretty bad, honestly. Um, you, you can be honest. Yeah, the pitching looks awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even with like the people that are on the IR for them, I don't know how much that's going to 
really help boost them. Um, like the starters are really questionable. I, I, um, I think one of the ways forward for their pitching to actually seriously improve is if you have kind of like surprises like Ricky Tiedemann comes up and shoves, Logan Allen comes up and shoves, Liam Hendricks actually might be back in like a month, amazingly. Very, um, yeah, very soon. And, and I, shoves. Uh, if, if you kind of have maybe not even like 90% scenarios, but like uh, 80% outcomes for like those three, uh, that could be a way forward to to have them be an underdog and compete. The hitting really is. It's it's so centered around Goldschmidt and Trout, and then you know a bunch of guys who, for the most part, are are not going to be putting up big points in any week. It, it, yeah. there, there's just a lot that has to go right that I don't. I I think it's probably I in if I were in his situation, I would just continue the tank. Um, yeah, I think it's like, and like you said, like with all these guys where it's like, oh, they could come up and like perform like crazy. It's like, you know, they, they can, but I think it's much more likely they're going to within like, then like next year. Yeah. Um, so I think it is much more of like just tank one year. And then I think they're going to set up really well, um, for next year with yeah. a lot of the young guys that they have, um, on their rookie deals. Um, and I, and I, you're mentioning like a couple of guys coming off of IR for their pitching and, even if you know you have three guys added, you're still like starting like Michael Waka every week, who wasn't on a team until like last week. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it was so late in spring training. I think when he signed, he had such um, an insane first start, and then the wheels just came off in the last one. Yeah, um, I think it was his, his second start uh, yeah. where he like struck out ten, um, and I think you're going to get some flashes. I mean, he was a um, a really you know, a great pitcher, I would say, kind of really early on in his career, and a lot of hype around him, and then he just really fell off. I would say over the last um, over the last few years, um, I don't know. I think you might get some flashes of like you know some really good starts, but I think you're gonna have a lot of like really bad negative weeks, and he's just gonna eat some innings for um, for San Diego, and you're gonna have problems where he just gets left into the game and gives up ten runs. Um, yeah, and it's not gonna be good. The relief. The relievers are fine. They're they're not top tier, maybe except David Robertson, who I think could be a good trade bait. Um, Jesus Lazardo <laughs> and Drew Smiley. Well, Lazardo I love. Smiley I love when he's healthy. Um, I yeah. There's just not really enough to build around here. All right, and we'll do one last team, a team that had, I would say a pretty bad we a pretty bad week one and then really stepped it up uh in week two and that team that i wanted to go over was the colorado rockies um i wouldn't i wouldn't say they had a really i just did but maybe maybe a really bad week one is pushing it but they scored the 16th most points week one um with 313.5 and in week two, they actually were second overall with 310.5. Uh, we've already gone over um, a couple of teams from the NL West previously. We just went over the, the Padres. 
Um, the Giants are our number one team in the power rankings, and the Colorado Rockies scored the second most points. So there's a lot of interesting things going on in uh, in this division as I search for pulling up the Colorado Rockies score. So the, the one thing I would say to look at for week two for the Rockies is their pitching just absolutely popped off this week. Mostly Zach Gallen, who had two really good starts um, and had 65 uh, points for them, um, which really, I mean, I would, I'm not going to say he like carried their pitching staff because their pitching staff put up 169 points, which if I were to guess, if it's not the top, it's probably like the top three or four, I would guess, for as far as pitchers uh, pitching goes for the week. Um, because that seems really high to me. Um, yeah, and their lineup right. performed well too. The Colorado Rockies were the number two pitching team. The Miami Marlins were number one for uh, for week two. And and okay. yeah, sixty five points in a week is is pretty insane, either from pitcher or hitter. So yeah, Zach Allen kind of carried them. Uh, however, we were just talking about you know it. A team with a middling relief core, um, guys that are fine, are going to get some holds. Well, the Colorado Rockies uh, relief core, Josh Hader, Jordan Romano, Jorge Lopez, Tyler Rogers, um, those guys are, are pretty pretty serious relievers uh, to all have on the same team, and they all popped off this week. Brian Abreu even had a good week, um, and, and he's no slouch either. They're Starting pitching after Gallon is so mediocre. Maybe not so if you say Kikuchi is consistent, but he's never consistent. But this bull, I have seen teams with stacked bullpens and like enough starting pitching to get by um, make serious deep runs into the postseason and even win the championship. So this is a viable strategy, and this is kind of how it looks on uh on a good week yeah and i think that it's going to rely a lot on um zach gallon having you know big weeks particularly on his two start weeks he had, you know the, with the two starts last week if he only pitched once last week even if he had like an insane game pitched 35 points or whatever i think they still end up losing one of their matchups um last week just from losing that like 30 points from him so yeah. I think you're going to get particularly in Gallon's um, you know, two start weeks, and when he has two really good starts, you're going to just smoke anyone you're playing. Um, and then I think it's going to really depend on his one start weeks, you know, how your other starters perform. Because again, like we've got a lot of like questionable guys here um, <clears throat> for for um, starters. That if Zach Gallon only throws one week, even if he throws point game, um, you end up with some of these starters with you know big negatives. You're going to end up with a really bad week. Um, and it's going to look kind of fluky just because like, well, the, well, you know, the pitching looks okay. And the, the relievers are stacked, but it's like, okay, if Hader blows a save and ends up with a zero point week, it's just like, you know, a lot can change here. <clears throat> um, but yeah, gallon, I, I like gallon and yeah, their relievers are stacked for sure. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, talking about gallon, uh, you know, with his one and two star weeks, how that affects the Rockies overall, um, and and how they're kind of dependent on him. I would actually, I would actually say, teams that are built around strong bullpens instead of strong rotations, you know, the ceiling isn't nearly as high as you know having 
five really good starting pitchers, but you have so much more consistency. For one, having five really good starting pitchers is expensive. Um, if in, Unless you just got all of them by, you know, having prospects come up and just shove for you, usually you're paying $30, $40 for them, uh, or you're trading a ton of assets to get a guy on a cheap deal. Uh, and, it, and it kind of, you know, it, it's going to press you against your budget cap in some way, shape, or form. Now, top-tier relievers are entirely different. Um, obviously lower-valued because their ceiling is, is much lower, but their floor is also basically about the same as a starting pitcher's floor. So you get a little more consistency, just a little less ceiling, but far reduced cost. And if you take a look at what that far reduced cost might be spent on, well, the offense isn't incredible, but there's no holes really here that that I can see in their starting lineup. Everyone's playing more or less full time. Um, Nolan Arenado is, of course, kind of the MVP type guy that the the lineup is built around and then real muto josh bell um even carrie carpenter and and connor joe and your util spots are all going to be putting up pretty good points week to week so yeah it's a very deep lineup i would say like every every spot is you know a um i would say like a at least like b tier starter like a lot of these guys are um i would say like pretty close to eight tier starters i would say like real muto and um arenado obviously um both up there both doing very good mccormick's having a really good year so far um connor joe is also having a good year so far and he's going to be just locked in um as a starter at either first or outfield and i don't know if they're gonna move him around any more than that but um i think the pirates have been overperforming this year um i know they scored a, a bajillion runs tonight um and uh, I, yeah, there, there is no real holes in this lineup, um, and I think his bench is is okay. Um, Matt Duffy's not too bad um, as kind of a backup. He has a lot of um, versatility, play basically any infield spot. Um, so you have some kind of nice options there. Yeah, I agree. And I think if we take a look at their um, at their bench, there's some decent depth. Uh, especially now that Heliot Ramos, with you know pronunciation, whatever, uh, he was just called up, um, and now he's looking like he's going to be, uh, if not full time, at least maybe like a seventy percent type player. Um, and then in the pitching, you have a couple more bullpen arms, uh, even starters, and Joey Wentz that are having various levels of success. Uh, so you know if you if you focus on the strategy that they have which is build around the bullpen um and hope that the starter hope that zach gallon shoves and then rely on a on a consistent lineup um i think this team should i think this team for one should recognize that they can get to the playoffs with this squad and buy another starting pitcher Please do not rely on Yusei Kikuchi <laughs> to, to to put up 25 points every week and Zach Allen to put up 65 points every week. 
they did beat the San Francisco Giants, who uh, I mentioned earlier are number one in our power rankings. Um, but if you want to beat them in the playoffs, you're probably going to want another frontline starting pitcher. Yeah, they have the off. they have the cap space for it too. They've got I think eighty eighty six dollars left um, is what it's showing me on here. So, um, I mean they have the cap space for it. It's just like you know who do you have to trade? Um, who do you who do you have to give up to get a, another starter? But if they get one more top guy, like they really don't have um, any holes at all. Like you said, like the relievers are stacked. Their um, lineup is stacked. Like if you get one more really good starting pitcher in there, um, they're gonna be really dangerous, particularly when come playoff time. I agree. All right, and just to close this out, we'll take a quick look at the standings that we have across the league. In the AL Central at the top, um, you have yours truly, the Chicago White Sox, although uh, the Detroit Tigers are really not far behind me at all. I think I've scored 15 more points than them total on the year. Uh, I beat them last week, but it it was a very close matchup. Um, so I expect the Detroit Tigers, I, ha- I also had them projected to finish above me um, in my preseason projections. Um, I do think that could very likely still be the case. Um, so this is, this is going to be a tough competition all year, I think. Going over to uh, your AL East, you're actually number one. You're... You're in a division where everyone is separated by like less than, um, less than 150 points overall, which over two weeks is a little bit, but really not much if you're talking about first place to fifth place. So, uh, what, what's your opinion so far on what you've seen out of the division now that we're past uh, weeks one and two, the the divisional weeks? Yeah, this division is uh is stacked. I wish I was in almost any other division. Um just because like they're like every one of the teams in the AL East is competing um maybe not like you know they might not be like the top three in the power rankings but I think all five teams can make the playoffs um even with like just their current rosters um without making any trades so it's really tough because like you don't have any like easy path to the playoffs you just like have to just try to crush everybody and, and to make it out um so i think it's going to be really tough um you know we uh we got lucky you know for the last couple weeks put up a lot of points so we have a little bit of a leg up on everyone else but um not much and then everyone is really tight when it comes like everyone's right around like 1100 to 1200 points on here um which is just you know they're just right right behind us really um and it's gonna be a, uh, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna go on the, down to the wire. I think. I think it's a very good chance it comes down to like the last week or two, um, and you see a lot of movement in the last couple of weeks in the standings. Yeah, I I think the trade deadline is gonna be pretty busy for the AL East as well, especially since you got the Baltimore Orioles in there, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, heading over to the AL West, um, the forever rivals, the Los Angeles Angels and Seattle Mariners. Um, same as last year, once again on top this year. Uh, same as last year, the Angels uh, have just a little bit of a lead over the Mariners. I am not going to even predict who's going to come out on top of that because uh, those two guys both are not afraid to to push the chips in um, and fight each other tooth and nail. 
Uh, the, the one the one thing I will say is the Angels have kind of already pushed their chips in. They have exactly zero salary remaining. Um, so it'll make it a little difficult for them to make moves at the, at the deadline without moving some salary of their own. Yeah. Um, so the Mariners have, have a little bit more room to play with um, where the Angels have already kind of gone all in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things kind of shake out uh, as it comes down the stretch. Yeah, and I think I think uh, Crop would be incentivized since uh, since Rusty for the Angels is kind of already tapped out on cap room for for Crop to make a move sooner than later um, because you know the, your your opponent cannot answer your moves uh, as with flexibility. Let's say so. All right, heading over to the NL Central, uh, we have the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, far and away ahead on points over the second place uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Um, we did talk a little bit about the Milwaukee Brewers today, um, how there's some concern there about their team going forward, uh, but the Pirates pretty clear that they are the top dog in this division as it stands. The Reds and Cubs are both uh, actively tanking right now. Um, they're, they're building for future years, so this is really a three-team race, and uh, I think the Cardinals and the Brewers, the onus is on them to figure out how to improve, maybe fight for a wild card, um, or, or figure out how to get the job done. And finally, heading over to the NL East, uh, you have the... Marlins, who we'd have already gone over at the top, followed by Mets, Braves, Nationals, Phillies. You have any uh, thoughts on this division? The thing I would say is just the for the top four teams at least. I know the Phillies are are I think pretty clearly tanking um, for this, but the the four team race at the top are separated by less than a hundred points, I think, between them. Um, so it's it's really tight there as far as the points they're putting up. Um, so I think this will be another tight one, similar to um, ours. Like both, what's kind of interesting is both of the Easts um, in the fantasy league are kind of mirroring both the like MLB Easts, um, and that like there's just a lot of strong teams, um, and there's like you know no easy path out. There's going to be a lot of teams fighting for the playoffs in in both the NL and the AL East. Yeah, I I also would not be surprised if all. Th- Maybe a little surprised, but I could see a world where all three wild cards from the National League come from the from the NL East. Uh, the Mets, Braves, and Nationals are all quite strong teams, uh, and there's only one other team in the entire National League that's not in first place that has more points than uh, than those three, uh, and that can be found in the National League West. You have our top dog, the San Francisco Giants, who are only three and one because they lost their matchup against the Colorado Rockies, who are second place, uh, behind quite a bit in points. Um, but as we went over, they had a little bit of a middling week one, followed up with a very strong week two, uh, and you know, like we said, clearly have the pieces. The Padres are so banged up right now; um, it's going to take some time for them to to get healthy again whether or not they can they can afford to wait or if they need to start making some deals to figure out how to weather the storm and then still fight for a wild card later on we'll see how that uh how that shakes out you have any final thoughts on the nl west or any of the other standings to close us out 
Um, yeah, not too much here. I mean, we already talked about, um, I think, two of the teams, or actually we talked about, I think, all three um, of the teams that are really at the top. They're competing. Um, so, yeah, not too much to add there. Just This is going to be another one that's going to be really tight. It'll be interesting to see how the NL West and the NL East um, shakes out, because I think that's most likely where the wild card spots are going to come from, um, just based on how they perform so far. All right. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. This was week two for the Franchise Legend Power Rankings. Uh, we'll see you again week three as we uh, see if any of these teams that had pretty sharp differences between their week one and week two uh, try and reveal their true selves for week three, for better or worse. All right. Thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you next time.